0: Ancient civilizations around the world have included imagery of this mythic beast in pieces that have lasted centuries. In each culture, it represents something different. Strength, nobility, or an enemy to be defeated. But how did such a myth evolve in far-flung regions around the world with no connection to one another? Could these ancient monsters be even more ancient than we imagined? Are they hiding out, waiting to be discovered this very day? This week's episode is... Dragons.
1: Well, it's about time. <laughs> it is about time that we we unearth what um big archaeology has been keeping from us <laughs> for so long. Um I'm even more convinced than I was a week ago that oh, dragons yeah. I'm not saying currently exist. I am saying have existed at some point. Yes.
0: Well, this was this has been kind of a bit between the two of us for a while, and we've sent articles back and forth anytime there's any sort of scientific discovery in the realm of it. but our getting into it tier patreons came through for us mm-hmm. and voted. We gave them several cryptids and, and they then smashed one that real animal. That's <laughs> true that's true two cryptids and a real animal and they voted on the real animal which Mm -hmm. is a dragon which is what we're going to cover today um and this has led us on an emotional um journey of knowledge we talked in our live q a last night about just all the things that we've learned in the last like five days even about mostly from our
1: significant others who just (laughs) like to drop these knowledge bombs on us out of nowhere and it just rocks our world rocks us to our very core things that we (laughs) that they act as if everyone knows from science and geology and uh we went to two different schools in two different
0: cities and neither of us were taught these things (laughs) so So, i don't think it's us (laughs) I can't prove that I wasn't taught these things. Same. I can def- definitively say I didn't learn it. I can, which that I is- can <laughs> say I do not remember learning That's these right. things. I'll put the, uh, I'll put it on me. I'm not going to blame my teachers because possibly we went through this. But yeah, when we were talking about when different species of dinosaurs were made extinct and by what means, Paris just nonchalantly went, "Oh yeah, that was one of the five great extinctions," and I was like. What, how the fuck do you know that? And he's just like PBS, obviously. So maybe it wasn't even school. I just have not been tuned into enough PBS YouTube videos, perhaps, uh, to keep to keep up on what's been going on. I
1: also went to a religious school for a good portion of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Part of me wonders, did they believe in dinosaurs? Perhaps I wasn't even taught about these. I don't know. Maybe we just went straight to Adam and Eve. I cannot remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember a lot from those years. But um, there's a good chance I did learn it and just didn't remember it. But I've learned a lot about time, the yeah. solar system, which dinosaurs. that is a joke. What we all thought we knew about the solar system. Apparently, we're all just rocketing through space. All the planets and us just into infinity.
0: The other night, I thought it
1: was like a mobile where it was just stationary and we kind of turned around every now and then. Turns out. Turns out we (laughs) were wrong.
0: No. Turns
1: out also, uh, Tommy just casually at dinner the other night said, I wrote a really interesting article about time travel today. Turns out um, it wouldn't be possible because, and then he launches into his explanation of because how the Earth is moving and if you time traveled the earth would not be in the same location to which you are traveling therefore you would just end up in space
0: mhm uh-huh. i think blew my mind I- You know me, I'm an optimist. So, and listen, I told Tommy last night on the group chat, whenever I said you, if Tommy and Paris don't know something, I don't need to know it. Like they're my source of a lot of information. And Tommy said, if we got fooled, if we're fooled, then we've all been fooled. Like they, they do their research. So in my thing, I will say in this case, because I'm an optimist, I'm not disagreeing with Tommy. I never would, but it's not that time travel is impossible I would argue that it's just more difficult. I, he's not would, saying
1: it's impossible. Yeah. He's saying that if if people operate under the time travel guise of if I'm sitting in this chair right now and I time travel back 30 years, that I would come out 30 years in the same location on Earth. That is not what is possible. You Because the same location you're at right now did not exist 30 years ago because the planet has moved so you might still be in your same spot from that you start time traveling but you're going to be like stuck in a wall or in outer space because the planet was not in this location 30 years ago
0: what i was saying though is it is possible to go to the same spot you just have to also calculate distance and how because they know how it's moving but how do you but
1: so you're saying you need to build a time machine that calculates all that Yeah,
0: yeah. It takes a lot of science, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's hard, and that's probably why we haven't figured it out yet. If Albert Einstein couldn't figure it out with that tongue sticking out in his picture, come on, that guy knew everything. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know if that's the only thing holding us back from time travel,
1: but perhaps it's one of the things. One of the several. One of the several things that's holding us back. Yeah, we've learned a lot, and our goal is to teach a lot. In this episode. And by the end of it, we're all going to believe that these beautiful winged creatures existed at one time or another.
0: Yeah, I think... uh, I don't want to be too hasty in saying they're mythical creatures. I think you're right. I think that we got too much evidence. Here, I'm just going to say
1: it right now. How can a dinosaur not be a mythical creature, but a dragon be? The only thing... (laughs) Is the fire, which I uh, we got several good explanations of how that could have happened. That's the only difference between a dinosaur and a dragon is the fire.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's flying dragons or flying dinosaurs that could, yeah, easily. Birds, we still have them. They're just tiny now. Yeah, or they're bald eagles. (laughs) Oh
1: God, the bald eagles have landed at White Rock Lake near where Heather and I live. It's been a source of joy for the community. Mm -hmm. It's brought everyone together. The other night, we had a very large windstorm, and the giant eagle's nest that they have built in the trees fell, and one Mm. of the eagle's eggs did not survive, and the community is shook. A GoFundMe was started to build a perch for the eagles. Turns out, not a good idea. Uh uh, That's going to mess with their whole way they do things, so now... Other stuff is being um, thought out. I did donate. I hope it goes to a worthy cause.
0: cause <laughs> I hope it goes to an eagle. I don't it think I'm getting it back. Some bird. I hope
1: some bird benefits from it. I hope a bird that. benefits from my $50. <laughs> I certainly do. But um, yeah, the, the eagles are majestic, much like the dragons.
0: And also, I feel like if, you, if someone described to you, if you've never seen an eagle, if we did not have the documentation we have of eagles right now and you described what it looked like how big it was how fucking big their nests are you yeah. could a person could stand in that yeah, nest it's huge it was
1: huge you,
0: you would think that it. someone made it up
1: yeah i mean I, I feel that way about a lot of animals look at shit from the ocean there's oh, stuff God. down there that if someone i mean there are things down there that do exist i didn't know a narwhal was a real thing until like three years ago so, because it, it looks like a, a unicorn fish, which yeah. people say unicorns aren't real. I mean, all these things that, like, it's like all animals look crazy. So, oh, what's, yeah. why is one animal less crazy looking than the other? And they have little tiny sea
0: dragons. I that, saw those, I mean, the slugs. Nuts. the sea slug things. They're wild looking. They and look the, again, like
1: beautiful blue plants just that floating move. Around. And,
0: yeah. Flip upside down it's wild, so that's the the overall takeaway from all this was yeah, like you said animals are wild looking you can't sit there and go that's normal look- a giraffe is a normal looking that's, thing it's insane it's stupid looking. as hell amazing they're but-
1: beautiful they're I love them they're one of my favorite animals. Why is that any more believable than a dragon? There I'm you telling you people get hung up on this fire thing I got some <laughs> information that's gonna blow some minds we got a we got a herpetologist that has some ideas too. <laughs> I got a beetle that has something to say about it. <coughs> we're, we're, we we're got a lot to say. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. From Game of Thrones to the Lord of the Rings, dragons are an integral part of pop culture and have been since the dawn of written history. The word itself, according to the book Dracone by Daniel Ogden, derives from the Latin word for huge serpent and the Greek word for...
0: Serpent, giant sea fish.
1: Even with ancient writings on the subject, the true origin of dragons and their existence is still debated. The earliest appearance of dragons was documented in ancient Mesopotamian art and literature around 8,000 years ago. In ancient Babylonia, around 600 BCE, a glazed baked brick was created depicting the Mushushu, a divine creature associated with Marduk, the main god of the city. Its name meant "divine snake," a fitting title, as it featured the head and scales of a snake, the claws of an eagle, the legs of a lion, and a tail ending in a scorpion stinger. It was also carved into the Ishtar
0: Gate that stood nearly five stories tall. I mean, you gotta first of all, you gotta have a gate back then, because there was that was about all you yeah. had to keep people from just ravaging the city. It's gotta be city. five stories
1: tall, because that's oh. probably the, the height of your village, your city.
0: And also, you put something freaky like that on it and be like, this is what we got behind the gate. Yeah. You really want to breach this gate? You want to fuck around and find out? Or you want to
1: turn around and go back from whence you came?
0: It also is just wild to me how they built... I mean, it's slavery mostly and human labor. But just the brick-by-brick nature of building something five stories tall without, like, a crane. Pyramids? Yeah. I don't understand how that happened.
1: Yeah. There's a... There's a lot that's happened in uh,
0: our history that is mind-blowing, to say the least. I think a lot of it's pulleys and whatnot. Did you ever play the great game The Incredible Machine? Mm-mm, I don't think so. Uh, they let us play it during uh, computer lab time. I would give anything to is play it that game Is it a computer game-to-game? game? Yep, it's a computer game, and you are given uh, an ob- like a, an object, and you say, like, you got to get the basketball in the hole, and the hole is on the top corner of the screen, and the basketball is the bottom corner, and it subscribes to the laws of gravity and physics, and you it'll give you a fan to blow the oh, ball, yeah. a trampoline to bounce the ball, and you basically create a Rube Goldberg machine. It was so fascinating, and I learned more, I think I learned more about physics than that than I did in a college Probably. Course.
1: It's also more hands-on. You know what game I bet you would like that is a current video game you could play is Portal. Is it
0: like Incredible Machine?
1: Um, From what you just described, there are definite similarities. Each room is, um, I mean, it's a story. There's a story in the game, but you're going through these different rooms and you have to figure out how to get out of the room by doing a series of things like... Um, bouncing lasers off of things to make things happen. And it's very fun. It's very fun to watch, too.
0: I've, uh, Jonathan Colton sings the song at the end, or wrote the song at the end. Yes,
1: it's, uh, Tommy cried at the end. It's one of the most beautiful endings to a video game. It's very sweet and just, like, heartwarming. And the song really is the icing on the cake. Herodotus, the Greek author and historian, lived during the 5th century BCE.
0: He wrote of winged serpents
1: he saw in his travels.
0: There is a place in Arabia, situated very near the city of Buto to which I went, on hearing of some winged serpents, and when I arrived there, I saw bones and spines of serpents in such quantities as would be impossible to describe. The form of the serpent is like that of the water snake, but he has wings without feathers, and is like as possible to the wings of a bat.
1: He later elaborated on his description. Explaining that the enormous creatures with bat-like wings could be found perched in frankincense trees and resembled the water monster Hydra in Greek and Roman mythology.
0: Yeah, they would say you couldn't go under the trees because it was almost like now, where there's a flock of birds out in my tree, oh, man. and then
1: that- at five o'clock, you can't go outside. The crows—they're—I
0: mean, like Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah,
1: it's it's it's. I don't mind crows. I mind getting shit all over. That's what I'm worried yes. about.
0: Yeah, the uh, the sidewalks are destroyed. But Herodotus is called the father of, uh, he's like one of the very first people that started documenting history mm-hmm. in writing. Yep. So either he's very accurate or massive troll. Because if you're the only one writing <laughs> shit down, let me just say, as a person, the writer in my family, when you're the only one writing stuff down, whatever you say happened is what you're happened. You're controlling the narrative. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I watched a very fun animated
1: TED Talk about Herodotus today that was very interesting
0: i this is what i am jealous of is being 35 years old and when i was in my teens not having access to the amazing just descriptive, like intelligent, helpful storytellers the other day. I can't remember where we got back home from. And I was like, I want to know about the Dead Sea Scrolls. So I typed in Simon Whistler, Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole thing from Simon Whistler's a YouTuber slash fellow podcaster. And I, because I trust him, but having those resources, I think where, you know, like that woman that talks about, um, microbiology and vaccines and stuff that Tommy will send. Mm-hmm. She's like a PhD uh, professor oh, from TikTok. And- Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just like knowing that there are certain experts out there that you can kind of call on when you don't understand something in general, like me, when I had to look up how civilizations work. (laughs) But just having that on demand, it's one thing my dad was amazed about on the Internet. He was just like, you just read an article about sharks anytime you want. It's truly amazing. We're all
1: used to it now, so we take it for granted. But when you stop and think about it, it's incredible. When Ella and Simon were both born to see a baby – experience things that we take for granted for the first time, like light, turning mm-hmm. on a light switch and a light uh, comes on and the look in their eye, you realize, God damn, we take a lot for granted. It's we're- a magical world. <laughs> and we just all, it just washes over us because we're so used to it. We only notice it when we don't have it. But to see mm-hmm. it through a child's eyes, experiencing it, I may mean, we all act like the internet just came about. Dragons have been an important symbol in Chinese culture for eons. Modern-day archaeologists unearthed a dragon totem that dated back to the Shah dynasty, China's first dynasty, that lasted from 2100 to 1600 BCE. According to China.org, the 3,700-year-old piece is believed by Chinese scholars to be the oldest dragon totem in existence. It's amazing that something lasts that long. That's so that time is unfathomable. China, it's also made up. China, China is incredible for the history. I mean, it's mm-hmm. been around so much longer than the U.S. So it's hard for us to fathom something like this existing because we just don't have cool shit like that.
0: Yeah, or, and also valuing things mm-hmm. that are, you know, you earn or something and value it uh, and buildings and temples and things versus here. We bulldoze them and build apartments over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing interesting or old or historic
1: unless Rarely. people go to great lengths to get it documented as such to where it can't be bulldozed, does not stay up. Emperor Liu Bang was founder of the Han Dynasty, the longest dynasty in the history of China that lasted 400 years, from 206 BCE all the way to 220 CE. Legend had it that Liu Bang came upon a snake as he was making his way through the wilderness. He defeated the snake by cutting it in half with a sword. An older woman who witnessed the event told people she saw a dragon killing the snake. People took that to mean Liu Bang was a dragon incarnate. Other legends also told of Liu Bang's conception as a result of his mother dreaming that she was impregnated by a dragon, according to China
0: Highlights. That's a hell of a birth story. I mean, at least she didn't actually, she only dreamt that she was impregnated by a dragon. She didn't have to go through with it, although dreams are really real sometimes. You know? Professor Yun
1: Zhang Yan of the UCLA Anthropology Department told the History Channel that Bang was not born a noble. Therefore, he utilized the symbolism of the dragon as a
0: way to legitimize this new dynasty and to upgrade Liu Bang's nobility. From that day onward, the dragon became the symbol of imperial power. The dragon myth made its
1: way from China on to the West. However, according to Professor Yan, the Chinese dragon and the Western dragon are not the same thing. Dragons in Western history are not revered symbols of power, but are instead depicted as threats to be conquered. One prevalent legend involves the typical brave knight saving a fair maiden by slaying a vicious, people-eating dragon. The tale began in pre-Christian times in the 9th century, but was later attributed to St. George, who had become the patron saint of England. The legend spread through the Byzantine Empire and made its way further west via soldiers and the Crusades. Isn't it fascinating how stories and everything traveled and just... How stories become stories. I mean, it's like the longest game of historical telephone.
0: Oh, yeah. And that's what I was. I mean, you kind of hear about St. George. That's a reasonably famous tale. And then these historians and one guy's job was a comparative mythologist. What a job. Yeah. And so, you know, he said great storyteller at parties. (laughs) I'm sure. Either that or just really long. You say like, do you ever hear about uh, St. George? She's like, actually. Yeah, oh, that <laughs> tells you like the real history. <laughs> but yeah, it's fascinating how it was, uh, how, however true it was initially, you know, the whole deal was there was this dragon that was eating people up in the village and this lady was about to get got and the knight kills the dragon, saves the lady and then that gets repeated over and over and then it gets attributed to a certain person and becomes that certain person's entire mythos mm-hmm. and Kind of, it, it could be true, because maybe it happened again, but it's like that exact story really started way before, and then it just got kind of tacked on to somebody, and then it becomes, he's a saint. Like, he's the one that did that. He's he's the brave knight that slays, slays the dragon, and it's, like you said, it's just a game of telephone, because mm-hmm. it happened kind of before that, but whatever. He who's the last one with the t- uh tail, I guess, gets to keep it. Game of telethrones. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Um... It's also um, how all cryptid stories start or urban legends and everything. I mean, it's all like a cautionary Mm -hmm. tale that gets spun and spun and becomes almost lore. But everyone wonders, well, was there some truth in it of how it started, though? And then it just got embellished upon with each generation telling it?
0: Well, and also like the whole idea of uh, uh, urban legend, it ends up being... Don't go out and make out on the grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. Don't go or well, you should never make out on the grassy knoll. But you know only what I mean? make out on the grassy knoll. <laughs> Don't go make out on Strawberry Hill or whatever. Well, one of the um, scholars I was reading about this said that frequently the dragons were portrayed as female and fire. Female, aggressive, mm-hmm. was that symbolism for female sexuality. And the idea was that the chaste good knight slays that dragon and puts that at bay in order to save the helpless damsel and fair maiden. So really, it's just sexist.
1: Earlier when Tommy and I were watching a dragon show, he said, just another urban legend formed by the patriarchy. And I, I mean, said, you're not wrong about that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: As Christianity spread, so did biblical stories of dragons. Leviathan is depicted in the Old Testament of the Bible as a sea serpent with multiple heads. In Psalms, God kills the beast and gives it to the Hebrews in the wilderness to eat. Leviathan also appears in the books of Isaiah and Job as a serpent and a sea monster, respectively. This is... I also watched another animated YouTube. I mean, they're not... (laughs) These aren't kid animations, but they are animated because... How else are you going to draw a leviathan? We didn't have uh, cameras back then to take pictures of
0: this bad boy. (laughs) I I, love a good infographic. I feel like they're very effective mm -hmm, teaching tools. mm -hmm.
1: It was very interesting, though, that what this person was explaining was that the story was that he was an accepted monster that lived in the sea. And he had been created by everyone else, by God, just like everyone else. So, you know. He had as much place on this earth as anyone, I suppose. (laughs) But you wonder, what did they really see? Yeah. Or were they just great storytellers? Uh And it was just a, you know, a a fantastical fairy tale, essentially. Or was there some wild ass sea monster in the sea? And
0: they're like... Uh we got to document this. Write it down. Mm-hmm. Write it down. I mean there are definitely parts of the Bible that are historically confirmed, you know, various tales, events that happened, locations that are talked about in it. So There's it's hard to say There's
1: also a lot that's not.
0: No, no. I I mean it, uh, it it is though. Like it's not like it's I I don't know that you can say that we 100% somebody turned water into wine and that there was a giant sea monster or whatever but um i always talk about that professor i had that that was her whole entire job was um tracking the water to wine because that's a badass job she was they called her lady vineyard and she was a walking (laughs) woman vineyard um and class was really fun yeah but you don't want to know where the wine comes out of everyone brings some water
1: bottles you leave toasted (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's what we need in one of those wall things where you fill up your water bottles. But, oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to say, okay, this part was real and this part wasn't, you know, because like you said, they saw. They probably saw something. Something got written down. Did it come from nothing? Did it? Did you see a squid and then you kind of, you know, embellish it a I little bit? I think
1: squids would be, I mean, if I saw a squid in today's day and age, I would be shocked. Back She's then I would thing. have been terrified and shocked.
0: Yeah, something a squid as big as a boat or something, or even a uh shark. Or a whale or, whatever. or
1: just mm-hmm. sharks. I mean any animals when people didn't know about animal I mean, the first person to ever see any animal, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. You just oh, yeah. are like out minding your business and a fucking lion walks by.
0: Yeah. Or you're like the or or your friend tells you. Hey, I saw this thing. It's kind of like a dog, but it's much bigger. Yeah. And it's got a bushy head. And you go, "Really?" It's like, "Well, it's more like a cat."
1: I don't Well, I I saw this giant thing that um was made out of like leather. It was about 3 times the size of me and had a huge s- trunk coming out of its face that it was just sloshing water around everywhere. You'd be like, "What? Did you eat those berries again? What's going yeah. on?"
0: That's definitely one where people would go off on crusades or whatever and then come back and go, you wouldn't believe this animal was as tall as a house. And you go, all right, Dale, really was (laughs) as tall as a house. Like Yes, and and
1: its neck was the majority of its body and it was spotted and it had tiny little ears and a long tongue that it ate from the trees. You're like, Dale, come on, bro. What's going on? Are you all right?
0: The the neck was that tall. Do they wear the bow tie under the chin or at the bottom of their neck? (laughs) You tell me where are they supposed to wear it? But yeah, I mean, you'd sound ab- absurd. You'd I mean, sound it unhinged, absurd.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, the term dragon is used to refer to the devil. With references to dragons throughout the Bible, the creature's place in the public psyche was solidified, as it was
0: considered heresy to question what was written in the Holy Scriptures. And that's the other thing, too, is you read the book and you go, this is bullshit, and they go, well, draw them well, and quarter them. going to, him. <laughs> to cut burn their head at the stake.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that... You couldn't really speak up for if you didn't uh, totally agree with what the majority was <laughs> believing. You just had to keep your mouth shut.
0: Well, it's like the thing with time. And the Pope just decided that it went from October 8th to October 14th. And everyone just had to go, yeah, you're right. Okay. Because the time is all fucked up. It was in the video. I'll put it in the show notes so we don't sound like we're off our rockers. It is a real video from a scientist. But... That was the power, I think, of the church back then that it was. Mm -hmm. uh, Time is meaningless. Today is October 14th. Also, dragons are real.
1: (laughs) Archaeologists have also unearthed representations of dragon like serpent deities in societies of ancient Mesoamerican culture. The most well known is Quetzalcoatl, whose name means
0: feathered snake.
1: Stories of this feathered serpent god predate European arrival to the area that makes up modern-day Mexico. This is a beautiful deity Mm -hmm. and one that is covered extensively on YouTube as well. There is no shortage of Quetzalcoatl
0: videos if you'd like to go watch them. And they they talk about it in, I watched the History Channel special, the real one, which we'll get into. (laughs) the two different, Um, but they talked about how, and then it was such a revered deity that it was painted everywhere, it was you know, like I said, made into things that have lasted, you know, throughout the ages, but then also certain leaders would take on names of deities as themselves. So then you also have leaders that are Quetzalcoatl. Um, And they also talked about that the legend was that he would come back as a light-skinned deity. And that was maybe some of the reason why uh, when the Europeans colonizers landed on the shore, they were very welcoming because it was written into this myth um, that this giant, you know, bird deity, not really bird, but like a serpent god Mm -hmm. deity would come back in another form and sadly it was not Quetzalcoatl. No, sadly it was just the white man there
1: to fuck shit up. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was their ultimate demise, but it definitely, I think, as we'll get into, once the fossils are unearthed, that this was not just uh I would not say this was just out of somebody's imagination. I think that this was rooted in reality. hmm On December 26, 1890, a newspaper in Arizona reported that two cowboys had encountered... ...a winged monster resembling a huge alligator with an extremely elongated tail and an immense pair of wings. Seen in the
1: desert between the Wachuca and Whetstone Mountains, the creature was unable to fly very far. The cowboys gained on the retreating beast... And shot it to death with their rifles. Like cowboys are wont to do. Mm. Couldn't just let it fly off. I mean, if you see something like that and you're a cowboy, I, nobody's going to believe you. So True. even though you should let the majestic beast go, they're like, we got to take this home. Nobody's going to believe us back at the,
0: at the roundup if we don't have proof <laughs> of this thing. Down at the old saloon. Mm -hmm. What you should do, you got to befriend it like Falcor style. Then you get rides on the winged beast. Like how to train your dragon. Done and done. When they got close to the body, they noted it was 92 feet
1: long with a wingspan of 160 feet. Its narrow body was only 4 feet wide. Its 8-foot long head was similar to an alligator and had enormous round eyes. According to True West magazine, the cowboys cut off a wing to prove the monster was real. Supposedly, the creature's carcass was taken to a museum, but no photographs were ever taken. After that initial report, no one heard anything more about the Cochise County wing dragon.
0: Man, if it's a hundred and sixty-foot wingspan, and you, maybe they cut off the tip of a wing.
1: I've got some questions about these weather, these measurements. That ninety-two feet long. I mean. How I guess you just walk one foot in front of the other, old school style, to try and see how long that is. Every cowboy
0: carries with them an old tape measure. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then the 160 true, a foot
1: wingspan. I mean, this is Game of Thrones style big.
0: Yeah, it's humongous. I mean, it's airplane size. It's in big. 1890. Did you uh-huh. think they just shot down an airplane? <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't know what it was. They when did airplanes big, come around? It's big, round eyes, and it, you could see straight through like, them those glass. Are, <laughs>
1: there were two tiny people inside the eyes.
0: Oh, uh, no. They said they had dinner plate eyes, big, round dinner plate eyes. Mm. Yeah, I don't guess that it was 1890. You probably didn't have access to a portable camera, uh, so it's going to stay out there. Hopefully, you get back in time to take it to the museum but if know. you've got
1: that big of a carcass that you've shot down, how did no one? I mean, it's not going anywhere. Uh-huh. It would take a a huge thing to to eat that or drag it off somewhere. Yeah, wouldn't you go back and tell everybody? And then somebody's coming back with a camera, or at the very least, you get like a hundred people to confirm this story, and then it seems pretty legit.
0: You got to get you a like that at the time whatever the equivalent of a sketch artist would be Mm -hmm. to go sit out there and then he and he draws it and then you go back to town and you get like you said 50 100 people each of them tell their version and then you compile them all into a composite sketch and even if you can't take a picture you got some kind of proof i think they they went back into town and showed the tip of the wing or the chunk of the wing that they cut off but really if it's only the end of it that could just be a giant bird yeah a giant giant bat. bat Yeah. So I mean it's still impressive to have a bat the, a giant bat, but those things are That's the hard part. terrifying.
1: Have you seen videos of those giant bats that live in like the rainforest?
0: And they're like person size? The, yes.
1: can't take it. Oh. can't take
0: it. Can you imagine? Like Again, those that's those
1: for real. Like we can't question those. Those do exist. Those mm-hmm. exist right now as we sit here breathing. Those are flying around somewhere. <laughs> they're huge. They're, they're huge. They're ginormous.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so if you saw something like that, then yeah, you would be like, that's a goddamn dragon mm-hmm. if you weren't, you know, if, if you're just a cowboy and your first instinct was just to shoot at it with your Winchester. Mm. In 1910, Lieutenant Jacques Hinsbroke
1: of the Dutch Colonial Administration received word of something strange. He was on assignment in eastern Indonesia when he was told of a land crocodile on the island of Komodo. Hensbrook ventured to the island and found what he was looking for, a new species of an enormous monitor lizard. The creature was dubbed the Komodo dragon, and scientists began studying it. The discovery was notable because fossils of giant lizards had been found, but the assumption was that they were extinct. Like the discovery of the Komodo dragon, could it be possible that a winged flying reptile exists today in a remote
0: area, ripe for discovery? So did you say you did watch the Animal Planet it. footage yeah. of the three Komodo dragons devouring a goat? And the two guys, the one guy has dreadlocks, the white guy with dreadlocks. And he's like, get close, man. Is I think that the he's, one um where where are they? They're, are they
1: in Australia? I have to see. I'd have to go back and look at the video. It seemed like he was Australian. But yeah, and then there's a guy for Animal Planet there and like a camera crew. And um legit fear was in that host's eyes and yeah. everyone in the camera crew.
0: The thing about the Komodo dragons is they're humongous and fast. They're I mean fast twelve as miles hell. an hour. When I you know, you kinda hear, well that's not very fast. It is if a fucking lizard with razor sharp teeth is running at you. That's very fast. I don't think I can run twelve miles an hour. I don't know. Yeah. I've never timed mean, oh, myself. Maybe if a Komodo dragon's behind you. But they run at the goat and they are they're devouring this goat and really the only thing that keeps the hosts of the show from getting chomped up next is that the Komodo dragons are two full on goats. Yes,
1: he's got this giant stick that he's just ready to swing at a Komodo dragon and he looks at the guy the the guide taking them out there and says what happens when they're finished with that goat and they're still hungry and he's like yeah we should get out of here. They're, uh, they're going to come after us next and they do try but its belly is so <laughs> big and dragging the ground that mm-hmm. it can't move We've all been there. We yeah. all have plans. We we want to get out. We want to go do something. Then you have a bunch of queso and chips, and you just can't do it. You <laughs> like can't I move any further.
0: Stuck. I'm stuck here where I eat. Well, and they did you also see the part later where they put the venom into yes. the meat? Yes. And so the komodo dragon meat, the guy bites a. For his own spit to see how it d- deteriorates a raw steak, but then they inject Komodo dragon saliva into the raw steak, and the one with the Komodo dragon venom, that thing just rots from the inside out yeah, instantaneously. It's, wild. it's like it's so it's not even like the venom will kill you immediately. It's that it, I mean, it's like gangrene. It would cause gangrene on your yeah, skin.
1: Yeah, I think it's more so when the Komodo dragon because they were just swallowing parts of that goat mm-hmm. hole. They weren't even chewing it. So then their saliva. The bacteria in it, or in the acids, break it down so it can digest it and not have a big old uh, tummy dragging on the ground. It was disgusting. Just over the course of three days, I mean, it was completely gray and just Uh eaten up. But it's pretty fascinating that that's what what happens in their bellies so they can, I mean, that's probably similar to snakes and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, different types of. Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't it's know. untold. I'm not a
1: veterinarian. Please don't DM me about how I don't know what I'm talking about. Because well, I already untold. know that.
0: <laughs> it's just untold amounts of uh, what different creatures can do. But imagine it's 1910, and you've seen a crocodile, which is fucked up enough to yeah. see. That's crazy. Crocodiles
1: are crazy. They're One dinosaurs. of the craziest looking animals out there.
0: And then also I saw a video of a I, I can't recall if it was a crocodile or an alligator, whipping itself up out of the water mm-hmm. Where majority, I would say, belly button on a human size, you know, like upper half is out of the water, whipping around. It's crazy that it can do that. So that's already wild enough. And then you hear that there is a, you know, five, ten foot long thing that runs at you Mm -hmm. on all fours, like a land croc. And you say, oh, blimey, it's here. Well,
1: alligators and crocodiles can both be on land, can't they?
0: Yeah, I think it just. I know alligator can. This animal just doesn't also spend time a lot of time in water. Yeah. That's why they called a land crocodile. But you see a giant ass lizard and you go, "Those things don't exist. We have fossils, but it's not real." Mm-hmm. And then it runs at you and you're like, "Fuck, it's a dragon!" Yeah. God. And the way they
1: run with their Mm-mm. arms, like, oh man, they just Mm-mm-mm. like they look like they're. Oh, it looks unnatural. It's bizarre. They run.
0: I feel like they run intentionally. Oh yeah, it's frightening.
1: No, they they've got. I mean, they looked at them with. Blood in their eyes saying, yeah. you're next, but sorry, we filled up too fast. <laughs> that goat did not stand a chance.
0: It was... No, it was sad. We'll
1: put it in the show notes. It's not for it's the nature. faint of heart, but it's also... It's not the worst animal uh, video like that I've seen. It's more interesting than horrifying.
0: And I, I think, too, until the guys were really standing next to him, you know, from far off, the Komodo dragon didn't look that big. And I think I always thought that they were... You know,
1: like a foot long,
0: a little bit bigger like than a, a bearded chihuahua. dragon.
1: You... Yeah,
0: oh, I no, had no big. clue. They're big. They're boys like and a person. Girls.
1: The girls were smaller because he was yeah. like, "Here comes a female," and she was significantly smaller. What's that movie with? um Oh, uh, who's Sarah Jessica Parker married to? Matthew Broderick. What's that movie? The not The Graduate.
0: Ferris Bueller's Day Off. No election. Huh. Election?
1: No, it's him, and he's got, and there's a Komodo dragon, and he's involved with like smuggling it back. I want to say um Al Pacino's in it, maybe. This is a real movie. I'm not making it up. I'm googling it right now.
0: <laughs> uh, it might be called War Games. Uh, Addicted to oh, Love. Man. This is my knowledge of Matthew Broderick films. Um, let's see. We already said Ferris Bueller. Was he in the producer? Freshman. Movie? Oh, interesting. I didn't know it was about a Komodo dragon. <laughs> it's, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. It's Matthew Broderick, Marlon Brando, is who I was thinking, not Al Pacino. So I there you go. was uh, like a third right about all this. Yeah, Marlon Brando wants a Komodo dragon. Um, It's, it's very funny. It. It's like a true crime comedy, funny movie.
0: Don't do it, Marlon Brando. I think Brando, you'd like it. You it. would like yeah. it. Well, I love Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. He's great. Please...
1: Don't start crying about his story Shut career. Up. <laughs> Heather, tell you guys. Heather got real emotional about Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> this weekend at her bachelor party.
0: T- it's important to know the setup. I was talking to Gypsy, who loves Marvel movies, and I said, everybody here is like the characters from a Marvel movie, and um, and to just give you guys who you are, and Gypsy said, who am I? Said Captain America, she said I would be Tony Stark slash Iron Man. And she, I think what made me cry is she goes, you know, because he was creative and he brought everyone together. And then in the end, he made the ultimate sacrifice to help everyone. And I was like, oh, I just started sobbing. And then I started thinking about Robert Downey Jr.'s life and how he had a second shot. He did. (laughs) Got a second shot. And I just started sobbing.
1: (laughs) He's got, he's,
0: he's great. You
1: labeled me Captain Marvel?
0: You're Captain Marvel for sure,
1: which I have not seen, so <laughs> I gotta I gotta watch it because I don't know Leanne if that's good would... or bad. I'm assuming oh it's so good. I'm assuming it was it's at least it's somewhat favorable, or you wouldn't. She's have said a
0: it. superhero, she's, and also it's yeah, Brie I guess Larson. They're all superheroes,
1: so that's good. And it's
0: Brie Larson, and um, I saw it with Leanne, and it's a it's like a good female empowerment movie yeah, too.
1: Yeah, I need to see it with Ella. She loves Marvel. Oh, she she's would very love it. into Spider Man right now. In 1971, University of Texas graduate student Douglas Lawson was performing fieldwork when he unearthed something amazing. Beneath the dirt near Big Bend National Park in southwest Texas, Lawson found long, thin bones. His professor determined they were wing bones from an ancient flying dinosaur. Lawson named it Quetzalcoatlus, after the deity. Later, specimens were found to have wingspans up to 18 feet, Further investigation showed Lawson's original find had a wingspan of nearly 40 feet, making it the largest flying creature of all time, according to the National Park Service.
0: They have a pterosaur uh, set up. You can go and look at recreations of the bones in Big Ben, and I'm totally going to see it. Oh, yeah. On but your mind. I've, I've decided. Yeah, I'm going that, to see that's it. a good one. Um, and. I think at the initial, they they found not that many of the Quetzalcoatlus at first. And then when you start building it out and you go, oh, this actually is like really fucking big. And they found them all the way up through Canada, kind of like up across the Rocky Mountains upward. So various types and with various uh, different, you know, there was a little smidgen differences here and there. Well,
1: like all of us, they are also (laughs) different. Quetzalcoatlus, it turned out, was a type of pterosaur. These flying dinosaurs were alive during the Jurassic period that lasted from 199 to 145 million years ago. They, along with other dinosaurs, were wiped out at the end of the Mesozoic era, when a massive meteorite impacted the Earth, wiping out the dinosaurs and up to 80% of all life on Earth, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. Though pterosaurs are presumed extinct, cryptozoologist Ken Gerhard undertook a study of their possible survival. In his book, Big Bird, Modern Sightings of Flying Monsters, Gerhard concludes that it does not seem reasonable that modern pterosaurs are flying around the United States. However, Dr. Richard Greenwell of the International Society of Cryptozoology told the History Channel,
0: It is possible that a living animal, either a giant monitor or a surviving dinosaur, however unlikely that may seem, could have given rise to dragon folklore in Mesopotamia and other Middle Eastern cultures and later in medieval Europe.
1: You all might remember Ken Gerhard <laughs> from the Houston Batman show.
0: Yes, with his leather cowboy oh, hat. Oh, what a
1: hat it was and what a book with, oh, yeah. um, you know, several typos that made it's it fine. past print.
0: <laughs> DIY, trying your best, yeah. You're getting out there. Yeah, but he's uh, uh, he knows about his
1: flying monsters, man.
0: Yeah, and that book, that veers more into Big Bird, Thunderbird kind of visions, but he does dedicate a chunk of the book to pterosaurs. And in fact... Richard Greenwell was Doctor. Excuse me, I'm sorry. He didn't spend seven years in Doctor Cryptozoology (laughs) Doctor School to be called Mister. Doctor Greenwell is quoted in Big Bird in Ken Gerhardt's book, and then also is interviewed on the History Channel as a dragon expert. So, oh God, that's a badass title. What a career! What a career! You're just
1: Doctor Greenwell, comma dragon expert.
0: (laughs) Call me Doctor.
1: If pterosaurs survived the Great Extinction at the end of the Cretaceous period, could they have stayed hidden in remote areas for these past centuries? Professor Carol Fontaine, who teaches Hebrew scripture at Andover Newton Theological
0: School, told history. It may be that dragons really did exist, and they were so valuable, they were simply hunted to extinction. Dragons' value lied in their various
1: parts— According to Professor Fontaine, legends told of people who ate dragon's hearts being able to communicate with animals. Leaders sought them out as well as sewing the teeth
0: of a dragon could provide new citizens to repopulate a city. So if you eat a dragon's heart, you Dr. Doolittle yourself. Then you don't even have to go to cryptozoology school. You're already a doctor. You know
1: what, though? If you could talk to animals, that dragon would say, please don't eat my heart. <laughs> so, sure. I mean, you're, it's like which came first? Mm-hmm. the animal talking or the heart because uh, you I've, you eat a dragon's heart then you talk to a, a fellow dragon who was like hey man that was really messed up what you did <laughs> Larry was a good guy and we all miss him terribly he had a family <laughs> he had
0: kids <laughs> you see a tiny dragon that's like have you seen my dad around and you're like <laughs> Yikes! Yeah. I have some news, kiddo. Yeah, I'm so you, sorry, and it's now
1: it's on you to tell that because that little dragon, because you can talk to it because you ate its daddy's
0: heart. You have to. You gotta fess up. Mm-hmm. You gotta fess up. With great uh, power comes great responsibility. <laughs> I wonder often. I don't know that I would want to be able to talk to animals because I feel mm. like I would feel a great responsibility to pass their messages on, and it would just be like a full time gig. That's selfish of me, but that's how I feel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, as someone who doesn't want to just be talked to all the time, I like some quiet. <laughs> I want to be able to go into a room and recharge. Um, I feel like I would just be hearing nothing but arguing and constant chatter from <laughs> what's going on in this house alone. And then you you go out, people are walking their dogs, there's cats, oh, I yeah. mean, rats, squirrels, you can't get a moment's peace.
0: The birds in the trees? I feel like, yeah, I, I think nothing notices me, but my concern would be the squirrels. like, oh, really? You went with those tights today? I'm like, damn it, <laughs> you're so mean. They just roast you every time you leave your house. Fucking
1: mean. <laughs> or you have a real Cinderella moment, and they become your besties, and they start making you, like, clothes and stuff. Oh, that would be fantastic. Sought-after dragons may have been hunted and hiding. Dr. Greenwald's hypothesis was that they existed in remote regions like the Congo saying,
0: of course, it is possible that there are large animals still unknown to science in different parts of the world.
1: Cryptozoologist Ken Gerhard seems to agree with that line of thinking, writing.
0: It does seem within reason that a group of these animals could populate remote parts of Mexico's unexplored mountains or the marshes and jungles of Central America. So
1: here's where I differ from Dr. Greenwell and Mr. Gerhard is I'm not saying that these are still in existence. Mm-hmm. But they seem to say it could be possible, I guess much like a Bigfoot situation, mm-hmm. that there's just areas that are unexplored where they're hiding. Like all like all cryptids.
0: Yeah, yeah I would say I think when you go to cryptozoology school, the number one rule is dwell in the possibilities. <laughs> That's, that you can't that's the impossible. first rule of
1: cryptozoology school. Yes.
0: Well, uh, you don't talk about cryptozoology mm-hmm. school. And the second rule is dwell on the possibility. But, I mean, he went on Dr. Greenwell, who I believe, if I'm not mistaken, has passed on to another realm, uh, would take trips to the Congo or to other highly uh, densely, you know, dense brush areas trying to find creatures. But the thing is, you know, if a creature don't want to get found, it's not going to get found. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are I think remote areas that people don't generally go to or at least not up until recent years have gone to because they are dangerous isolated one of our many top 20 miss mojo or watch mojo videos we watch both of them was like 20 I think it was something like 20 places you, that are too dangerous to visit or 20 Ooh. trips that are too dangerous to take and one of them was an island called Snake Island Oh
1: god well and it yeah. is an island don't go to snake island
0: just a bunch of fucking snakes. That's all um, it was there was there—snakes. They they said within every one square meter around you, there's something like nine snakes. God. I mean, it's just like everywhere. The legend is that pirates stuck a bunch of snakes on the island to keep people from finding their treasure. Oh. So, like they, which is great security system, better than yeah. a giant gate, better sure. than it, yeah. But then, how do you uh, go back and get your treasure? Because all these well, snakes are everywhere. That's the irony. Snakes fuck. Here's what I... It blew you gotta up in their this. face. You got to <laughs> tell the pirates, snakes fuck. And if you don't pay attention to that, then you're going to have a, a place that's no longer called Pirate Treasure Island Guarded by Snakes. The snakes are like, we're rebranding <laughs> and it's Snake Island. It's a is
1: Snake Island. We've taken <laughs> our treasure. It's ours now.
0: <laughs> yeah, the snakes are like, and guess what? We don't need currency, so we eat it um, and throw it in the ocean. <laughs> but now it has only recently been where researchers will go there Wearing real thick boots, I imagine, Mm -hmm. and then studying the snakes. But for, you know, a long time there was this, you know, there could be an island or like with the Komodo dragons, there's areas where, I'm not saying it's a fire-breathing legit dragon, but something that we're not aware of is out there living on an island that we can't go to because it's too far away Mm -hmm. or too remote or too cold,
1: Yeah, Antarctica, looking at you. Mm, Always looking at you, Antarctica. That may seem far-fetched, but it is entirely possible. So-called Lazarus species are animals presumed extinct but later found alive. The coelacanth, an ancient type of fish, was believed to have gone extinct at the end of the Cretaceous period 65 million years ago, alongside pterosaurs. In 1938, a living, swimming coelacanth was found off the coast of South Africa. Prior to that exciting discovery, all we had of coelacanths were fossil records dating from between 80 to 360 million years ago. The fish were believed gone until this amazing discovery. That's there fascinating. And also, just dwell on the possibility. This, you know? Exactly. You never know. You never, this coelacanth,
0: sadly though, was it just one? No, I think there's more. Okay, I think they found so more, and buddy? I think they're still around. I didn't do I didn't do a deep dive on Celia. Like, can't see what I did there. Deep dive, mm, nice. Because uh, yeah, it would it be it would
1: be sad if only one, and then you're, no pun intended. You're a fish out of water, and you don't have anybody <laughs> around that like you can relate to that knows what you've been through. This is sad, and you got to find another fish that everyone thought was extinct, and then you get a fun little Disney story out of it.
0: The last camp coming mm. to you from Sinisterhead Children Books Incorporated. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is a company that we need to f- found, f- found. We have too many find. children's books. Yeah. The now classic 2004 Animal Planet production of Dragons, a fantasy made real, takes the viewer on an epic fictional journey of the investigation of a dragon's corpse discovered in modern day Romania. Narrated by Patrick Stewart, the film temporarily suspends fantasy to realistically
0: answer how dragons could have existed. Now, you watch the show. I started watching the show, and I started. I believed it for like. A I solid told you, 10 I
1: started watching it, and about five minutes in, I said, "Wait a second! Are you telling me that a, a dragon's corpse was found in the ice? Why are? What are we even bullshitting about?" And I had to go back <laughs> to the beginning, and I missed the according to legend. And so that was the key. But, man, the comments on YouTube, people that remember this from their childhood were so happy that someone had posted it. And it's just, it's very fun because, and we always shit on Animal Planet and History Channel for acting like things are real, but this one was actually fun because they really, it kind of went back and forth between CGI dragon world and then these modern day scientists doing an autopsy on the corpse that was discovered and just like if a, if this was real this is how it would go and i thought it was very fun
0: well, I was burned by the Megalodon, so I think I got upset, and I thought, I i think I actually yelled out to Paris, I would have looked like a fucking jackass if I would have talked about this on the air, not knowing, again, with the whole Megalodon thing, that it wasn't real. That's how they um, get you.
1: They just, like, slide it in there, and they uh-huh. present it in this way, to where if you came in in the middle of this show, or even after five minutes of it beginning, you would be like, "What? when did this happen? Did somebody found a dragon, and they, they did an autopsy on it? like you'd feel like you uh missed like a huge milestone in
0: uh, the world <laughs> like you said like i this was this maybe was taught to me but i surely did not learn it i looked up reviews of it and one guy said that i he found it for sale at walmart and went back and bought it even though he was like very suspicious and he said um, is anyone old enough to remember the first christopher reeve superman movie its tagline was something like you will believe a man can fly after watching this movie, I can only paraphrase, you will believe that dragons lived. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn. And then that was in 2005. So it was probably, you know, enough time for Walmart DVD. And I read another review from 2007, which would have been three years. The internet exists. Three years after it was reviewed or after it was premiered. And someone said, you know what gets my goat? Is that it was advertised and they implied that it really, they really discovered the corpse of a dragon. My brother talked me into it. Then at the end, they said, surprise, we were just kidding. And it was just this whole long thing about how pissed off they were. Shame on these people who promoted it as real. Shame on you. I expect more honesty from the Discovery Channel. Well, it's like, listen. We've been there. I feel you. I, feel you. I think I feel you, you said
1: those exact words.
0: But it's funny to me that it was... I mean, I watched Megalodon right when it came out. This was years later. But again, it was 2004. It's 2022. I still fell for it. till I scroll down, like you said, in the comments. And people are like, I remember from my childhood. This was so magical to watch. So I love that it made such an impression on everyone. And I love
1: Patrick Stewart's voice. So oh, I'll yeah. listen to him all day.
0: Turns out the British version mm-hmm. had a different narrator.
1: Yes. Ian Holmes, gotta get, I
0: believe. Gotta get the American version mm-hmm. with Patrick Stewart. So it sounds like Star Trek. Yes. In the show, a group of men skiing in the
1: mountains of northeastern Romania come upon several ice caves. Upon venturing inside, a startling discovery is made. Human remains dressed in 15th century armor lay before them, preserved in their icy graves. In a separate chamber from the fallen soldiers, the skiers discover the cause of the men's demise, the carcass of a fully intact frozen dragon. This uh, hook, line, and sinker. For it being when it was, 2004, it's the, the imagery isn't bad. The effects aren't bad. I was... I'm telling you. I was all in. <laughs> While performing an autopsy of the dragon, scientists discover a pair of leathery organs in the beast's chest cavity. At first glance, they look like a second set of lungs. However, when one of the scientists punctures the organ, hydrogen gas hisses out. These, it appears are the dragon's flight bladders and are what would have allowed the heavy creatures to take flight. So everyone's always asking, how could these big boys get off the ground
0: because (laughs) their wings couldn't support their body mass? Mm. This is how. They answered it it for you. It lifts you up. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like if you punctured something inside me, that (laughs) gas is going to hiss out. (laughs) And then you would feel lighter, wouldn't
1: you? Like you could take flight. Dragons, a fantasy made real, also answers the number one question on everyone's mind when it comes to the winged reptilians. How could they have possibly breathed fire? The show posits that dragons would have had sharp, pointed teeth for ripping flesh, as well as flat molars for grinding purposes. Specifically, these flat teeth could have been used to crush up and eat rocks rich in platinum, found alongside rocky cliffs and mountains. Platinum, combined with hydrogen from the flight bladders, would have been able to cause a combustion. The result? A fire-breathing dragon.
0: Fuck, yes. This is what
1: science is about, This is what I'm talking about. Everybody's hating on, couldn't have happened. Fucking right here, here's how it could have.
0: Boom. Blammo.
1: I made Tommy watch this part of this video because Mm -hmm. I couldn't understand. I forgot that the flight bladders had happened, and I kept Mm -hmm. thinking... We don't do we have hydrogen in us? What is going on? I Googled the atmosphere <laughs> from back then. Turns out the atmosphere when dinosaurs were around was actually fifty percent more oxygen, which helped oh. make them grow and thrive huh. so much. I know. Who who knew? So I you're guess saying, probably a lot of people.
0: Could we be a lot taller if there was more Maybe. oxygen? Perhaps,
1: Damn. yeah. But then I then he watched it and he said, What are these flight bladders? I said, There it is. That's where the hydrogen is. Uh, And then Tommy, my genius husband said, so if this is the case, are they saying that the flying and the fire breathing go hand in hand? Mm. For example, if you were out of hydrogen and couldn't breathe fire, then you also couldn't fly and vice versa. I said, oh, that's really... Interesting, he said, because that's really something you don't hear about in dragon lore. We keep watching. Two minutes later, they say the exact same thing. Damn. Yeah, I was very impressed and proud of him. And then he started laughing. I go, first of all, please take that smug look off your face. Because (laughs) Heather and I are taking this very seriously And we believe in these. And he said, I'm not laughing because I don't believe
0: I'm laughing because it's a fun subject. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he got tickled last night when you said, I've been watching a lot of stuff on dragons recently. (laughs) And it's like, hey, man, I was laying on the couch watching YouTube, like the videos about this and interviews and stuff about Komodo dragon stuff. And I have my little notebook and I'm taking notes. And I just looked over at Paris and went, well, this is my job.
1: (laughs) So, this is fun. I had to watch that part about the hydrogen so many times today, and I did not have headphones in, and I'm like, Donald, everyone outside the door is just like, God, she's watched that video about dragons like six times in a row. She's obsessed. And it's all for research.
0: Well, but honestly, that does make sense, though. I think so, too. Hydrogen, platinum. Much, much
1: smaller than a dragon, though equally capable of defending itself against predators, is the bombardier beetle. This spotted black and yellow beetle doesn't breathe fire, but it does eject a boiling hot liquid from its mouth when it feels threatened. According to ThoughtCo, the Bombardier stores hydroquinones and hydrogen peroxide in its abdomen. Upon expulsion of these chemicals into the air, a reaction occurs that produces the scalding fluid. Similar to the Bombardier, ThoughtCo suggests that dragons could have stored fire-producing chemicals inside of them. When the need arose for them to breathe fire, the dragon could ignite a spark with a catalyst such as tooth enamel or
0: dry bone. Well, and that's the other—between that, the ignition with the tooth enamel, or just simply a person went to fight the dragon. They get a bunch of chemicals blowed on it that's scalding fluid. You run back to your fellow knights or whoever and go, oh my god, I saw the dragon and it burned my face. They go, oh— fire causes. They don't understand mm-hmm. chemical reactions to the extent that we do now. So any type of burn whether it was a chemical burn or a flame burn would just register as burn. Mm-hmm. Ergo oh well it breathed fire versus it could have just squirted the goo out. That's a good point. And that's a dangerous game getting that goo squirted.
1: <laughs> you don't want hot goo shot all over your face. No. Despite the convincing and entertaining hypothesis from Animal Planet herpetologist Rachel Keefe author of The Anthropology of Dragons, A Global Perspective, has some bad news.
0: Unfortunately, no, we do not have evidence of dragons on this planet. We do have evidence of very cool extinct animals that were kind of similar to dragons, but no fire-breathing six-legged vertebrates, I'm afraid.
1: Even so, she points out living species like Draco volans, a flying lizard, or certain species of flying snakes, as a more realistic type of creature than dragons. She also points to cobras and lizards who are able to shoot things from their bodies, like blood from their eyes or slime from their tails, as creatures with modern-day similarities to dragons. So while actual Game of Thrones-style dragons may not necessarily exist, Keefe suggests we focus on the amazing animals
0: that do. It's important as an evolutionary biologist to understand how things change over time so we can predict how things will go in the future and also learn what's the best way to take care of the animals we have today. Also, beetles, <laughs> like, if you see how they evolve, clearly the dragons that are—or sh- the lizards that are shooting stuff out now, that could have—you know, they're shooting stuff out now. I feel like Keith is— um She's oppressed by someone
1: and higher up and she's not supposed to speak the truth. She's kind of dancing around it like, well, we don't have evidence, but we do have evidence of other things that are like it. wink, wink. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And certain things that are extinct, wink, wink. Mm -hmm. P.S. evolution, wink, (laughs) wink. So, yeah, when you see all these type of various, uh, I don't want to say skills, but the attributes of the certain lizards that can fly or certain species that can shoot themselves from one branch to another, it may be that they're the chicken and the dragon was the dinosaur that they came from, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Cryptozoologists, however, point out that many species, like the Komodo dragon, the platypus, the okapi, the giant squid, and others started out as merely myths until their existence was proven. Dr. Richard Greenwell
0: told History, it's possible that bones were found, fossils were found, you know, of a large pterosaur, perhaps more than once, and that these were identified as a flying animal, and they may have concluded, you know, that these were flying dragons.
1: Whether it was the misunderstanding of unearthed fossils, the presence of flying reptiles, or just separate legends created by multiple civilizations, the myth of the dragon will continue on, at least until they make themselves seen once again. So what do we think? Well, I think we've proven it. I mean. I think we've proven <laughs> it. I think. Here we are. Um, I, <laughs> if you weren't a believer before, you are now. Yeah. Yeah. And if you still have questions, then I encourage you to go watch the 2004 Animal Planet,
0: Dragons, uh, narrated by Patrick Stewart. There you go. A legend made real Mm because they made it real, baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for sure, I think, I mean, I don't think. Pterosaurs are real animals. Sure. Pterosaurs were uh, allegedly made extinct the same time as the coelacanth fish, and the coelacanth was found alive. So even if there are not pterosaurs surviving today, who's to say that, like Greenwald said, either the fossils of a pterosaur or an actual pterosaur— or something similar with whatever type of attributes that you know the dragons may have had was seen by these ancient cultures and written down and written about and go no there's a thing that flies it stands in the frankincense trees and it's a huge pain in the ass <laughs> um, and that we just you know there weren't cameras back then mm-hmm. and the descriptions were maybe a little off but the whole thing about the okapi was crazy because you know they said oh it's you know a miniature giraffe or it's like a hybrid giraffe and you think that's lunacy like no no way Mm -hmm. and then you see it and you go no it's a real thing or a platypus if you so many if you've never seen a platypus and someone describes a platypus to you you'd go you're full of shit man that doesn't exist anywhere narwhal
1: yeah that's how i felt when i found out those are real
0: yeah i think we should all much like with the internet apply the same dwell uh apply the same uh wonder sense of wonder we have to the animal kingdom and uh you know we just don't know what's out there snake island we may have dinosaur or dragon island there's we just no haven't found what's it on yet snake
1: island fucking there's no dragon, t- island. dragon island and snake island are probably pretty they're like sister islands they're near each other i i just can't and i maybe i sound like an idiot but i just can't it's hard for me to be like okay dinosaurs which are fucking wild like Look at dinosaurs. Look at all of that. And then you're like, yeah, these were real. We all accept these were real. But then dragons somehow aren't when the only difference is the fire, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying, like, six-headed dragons that, you know, each had then with, like, 12 legs and shit. I'm not talking about, like, those types of dragons. I'm talking about, like... Mm-hmm it looks like a dinosaur but it just happens to breathe fire. To me that's just a fire breathing dinosaur and if we if if animal planet their their speculation was right, i mean i'm not a scientist but what they said makes sense and we know that this beetle can mm-hmm. do stuff and there's probably other animals too. So i think that the biology could be there from my very limited knowledge.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're right. And I think, you know, like I said, the descriptions could be a little off. Right. You know, where you go, oh, they burned us. Well, they didn't burn with fire. I think that's a very
1: good point you've brought up. That, that could be, that. yeah, that and that, that could be why just, the burning.
0: For sure. And they didn't know how to describe it mm-hmm. or whatever. And also, I, uh, I get, you know, when you go, well, we don't have evidence that they existed. That's not the same as we have evidence that they never existed. Mm-hmm. That's a real... That's a real uh, finicky, lawyery thing to point out. You mm-hmm. know, it's like you're saying that we don't have – because that's the exact quote from a, what this delightful biological, anthropological expert said is that, no, we do not have evidence of dragons on this planet. But that's not the same as saying we have evidence that dragons never existed. Mm-hmm. Just because you don't have the evidence doesn't necessarily negate the thing that existed. So I say dwell be, – be like the, the doctor of cryptozoology, mm-hmm. which I actually don't think anybody gives you that. You should label yourself if it's cryptozoology, so we're all doctors now. But be like that and kind of dwell in the possibility and understanding that, you know, as as recently as uh, the 1900s, ni- late, you know, 1938 or whatever, we found a fucking dinosaur in the ocean swimming around. It was not megalodon; it was a coelacanth, but it's still... That is a thing that we thought died Mm -hmm. a ton of million years ago, 60-some-odd million years ago, and we found it. That's majestic. God knows what's hiding in the ocean and what's hiding in the the dense, dense forests and many uninhabited places around the world. I think that um, maybe one day we'll find
1: the fossils of one, but if we don't, perhaps it was because they were hunted for their... um, magical, mystical powers that people believed that they held.
0: and it's, Yeah, and if people took the bones and ground them up mm-hmm. and used them for whatever, then, yeah, you wouldn't find that. Or, you know, we find, because new fossils are discovered all the time, mm-hmm. you know, you find the fossils of a type of a pterosaur that did have that beetle-type thing, and you find, you know what I mean? So it's like one of those where it's, I'm not saying, okay, well, it's exactly like Game of Thrones, and that was very real back in the, you know... Sixteen hundreds, but and I Game think Game of it's, Thrones is
1: a fantasy world anyway. So, oh, it's true. It's not. It's not a, <laughs>
0: It's not, it's not, it's not historical. historically accurate. Yeah, what?
1: It's a. There's a lot of monsters and weird stuff in that.
0: But, um, but, yeah, you're, I'm not saying yeah. that, but I'm saying, like, if there there could be that, like, you know, they found bones that were super long. It's like a super long spine. And you go, shit, if you really drew this out, this would be pretty big. And mm-hmm. then as a paleontologist finds it today, go, like, yeah, I mean, similar, but not quite. And here are the differences. Because we know more. I'm I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting it's for happening. it. It's, it's I happening. feel it. I feel it's coming soon. I feel it coming soon.
1: <laughs> you know what else I feel coming soon? What's that? Some comedy. Hey! Probably... Probably I'll talk about dragons and dinosaurs at it's some point in the show. Time. Yeah. This Friday, the 25th, we've got The Colt and Hot Dish. The Colt at 7.30 and Hot Dish at 9, both at Dallas Comedy Club. The Colt is me, Heather, Tommy, Ray Fisher, Nick Scott, and Jade Smith. And then Hot Dish, I know you and I are in it, and then a lot of other funny people. So oh, it's yeah. going to be two super fun shows I uh, if the weather was like it was for your bachelorette
0: party, uh you could set out on a patio. Yeah, I think it'd be a it patio heaters. weather. Yeah. It's gonna supposedly snow in Dallas this week Tomorrow. and then not anymore. It'll go away and be yeah, nice. That's, so that's, who that's knows? What
1: happens in in this part of the our fair land. Snip snap. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad free episodes, a sinister sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those enrolling the airwaves and getting into it. Tears, special shout out on the show, monthly bonus minisot, and patron exclusive video and audio content including Emma the asshole relationship advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, What It Drama, True Crime headlines, and so much more. Every Friday in February, we've been doing Docuary. So Friday the 25th is going to be our last Docuary where we watch a documentary in advance and then get on Crowdcast and discuss. But Even if you didn't make it in time to be there live, the archive versions and audio-only versions are also available so you can watch the film and then uh, feel like you're chatting with us about it. This Friday, we'll be
1: discussing Free Solo, which I've been wanting to watch for a while, so I'm very Excited. excited about it. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. We had one last night. It was super fun. It's
0: so much fun, and we talked all about time. So we take did. an MC. Turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great time. Yes. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. And annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership.
1: For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit SinisterHood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around
0: after our sign-offs to hear your shout-outs. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Please keep those pictures coming. And if you want to get some cool swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click shop in the top banner. The best
1: thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure.
0: You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pod, and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at? I'm on Twitter at
1: Christy or GTFO and on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace. Heather.
0: I'm on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. Hey everybody, thank you so much for supporting the show on Patreon. Here are your special Patreon shout-outs. Jen Roy. Jerusa Rogers. Jess Kitless. Zeph Moongarden. Alice Young. Also Sarah M. You're the worst, but I love you, Boo. That's from Alice, not me. I don't think you're the worst. <laughs> Maddie V. Deirdre Harrington. Amber Huey. Leah Colley, Ellen Olson No. Jenna Gravely. T Holly Levitt. Frankie
1: and Dave. Alyssa. Karen Ferguson. Chris. Bobby Grego. Helen Roberts. Tiesmore More Cheese. Christine. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We couldn't do this without you. We sincerely appreciate it. We hope you pronounce your names correctly. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. <laughs>